0: everyone you're listening to bionic bug podcast with fiction author and national security expert natasha Bajima. join me as i discuss the latest news about emerging technology read chapters from bionic bug and explore the real life technologies featured in my novel we'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Bionic Bug Podcast. You are listening to episode number 24. This is your host, Natasha Bajima, fiction author, futurist, and national security expert. I'm recording this episode on October 6, 2018. First off, I have a fiction update. I'm excited to announce that my first novel, Bionic Bug, is now available as a paperback on Amazon. If you want to find it on Amazon, just type in Bionic Bug and Fiction. Um, I'll also include the link in my show notes. The release is especially timely, given a headline in the New York Times last week, so let's turn right to tech news. My first tech news headline for this week, viruses spread by insects to crops sound scary. The military calls it food security. This was written by Emily Baumgartner in New York Times on October 4. So this article is about DARPA's insect allies program, and you can look it up online. There's a very brief overview. I'll include that in my show notes. DARPA's program has three technical areas, viral manipulation, insect vector optimization, and selective gene therapy in mature plants. So basically to unpack that viral manipulation is using viruses to do things they weren't intended to do. We actually, um, uh, scientists use viruses to deliver gene therapies to people. Um, So this is a well uh, known uh, approach. Insect vector optimization, (laughs) I assume that's optimizing insects as vectors for carrying viruses. And then the third area is selective gene therapy in mature plants. So um, DARPA wants to improve the resilience of crops against drought, floods, frost, even foreign attacks by genetically modifying them to be more resilient with gene therapy. And they want to do this through a virus that will be carried by insects. Typically, classical plant breeding would be used to improve crops, but this takes a long time. Um, You have to change the plant, then you have to plant the plant. Um, Moreover, scientists are unable to address emerging threats quickly enough using this technique. And so DARPA has been thinking about using an army of insects to do quick and comprehensive horizontal modifications to crops to ensure food security. Yeah, it doesn't take a uh, active imagination to kind of see how this could possibly go wrong. The project kicked off actually in 2016, I learned of it only recently, um, where DARPA was seeking proposals by scientists and engineers um, to do this sort of work. Uh, universities and companies have already been, uh, have received rewards from DARPA to begin this work. For example... Scientists at the Boyce-Thompson Institute, the University of Minnesota, and the University of California, Davis, and Iowa State University received a four-year, $10.3 million award in 2017 to work on this sort of project. So why is this project making the news now? Well, a group of scientists recently published a warning in Science Magazine about the dangers of controlling a swarm of insects and the equally troubling prospect of inadvertently creating biological weapons. In fact, these scientists are alleging that doing this sort of work might be breaching the Biological Weapons Convention. This is an international treaty that prohibits the development and use of dangerous pathogens and toxins as weapons. So DARPA published its rebuttal last week. Um, I'll include that in the show notes. Defending its project and disagreeing with the claims made by these scientists. Notably, um, DARPA is not funding open release projects at the time. So all the work will be conducted inside Um, So, if you've been listening to my podcast from the beginning, you know now that I've envisioned the scenario that the scientists are warning about. In my novel, Bionic Bug, a rogue scientist genetically modifies a swarm of beetles to carry a disease, a particularly frightening form of a biological weapon invoking images of the plague from the Bible aside from darpa's good intentions and my concerns as well about food security in the us i'm inclined to agree with the dangers of controlling such a swarm if for some reason we're not able to control what happens with this flying gene therapy mechanism we could undermine the very goal of food security in the first place i'm just really hesitant to think that once we release this into the wild that we are able to uh, if something goes wrong we won't be able to take it back My second headline is also bio-related. It is a controversial virus study reveals a critical flaw in how science is done. Written by Ed Young in The Atlantic on October 4. So this article is a continuation about the debate around the horsepox experiment carried out in Canada a few years ago, the results of which were published last January. As you may recall, the scientists were able to reconstruct the horsepox virus. This is a close cousin of the smallpox virus, and they were able to reconstruct the virus from genomic data. um, That's information stored on a computer. They ordered sequences of of the virus's genome from companies and then stitched the sequences together. Once they had the full genome, they inserted it into a living cell and booted up the organism, recreating the virus from scratch. And they were able to do this in under six months for about $100,000 dollars. Um, this experiment has led to concerns about bad actors doing the same things with the now eradicated smallpox vi- virus or other dangerous pathogens. And I think, um, I think that that is a significant concern. Uh, the de- scientists essentially demonstrated how easy this what, is and, um, you know, I think that there's some value to talking about what types of research should be released to the public and whatnot. So if you're interested in this debate surrounding the research that can be used for good or bad, I encourage you to read this piece. Um, so let's turn to Bionic Bug. Last week, Lara, Rob, and Vict visited Beautific Creations to investigate the source of the stolen botulinum toxin that killed Sully. And they got much more than they bargained for, including the, um, including the capture of um, Sully's and Fiddler's assistant, Ashton Grant. Let's find out what happens next. Chapter 24 The Assistant. Wearing a black hoodie wrapped around her waist, Lara leaned against the cold cement wall in the back of the room and wiped the sweat off her face. The interrogation room at the FBI Washington field office, though clinical and spacious, was primed for the confession of suspected criminals by the lack of air conditioning. A video camera rested atop a tripod stand, staring down the suspect and creating a disquieting atmosphere. Ashton Grant stared numbly at the table in front of him, his left wrist bound by a handcuff attached to the table. He wore the same jeans and the t-shirt from the previous day, but they were grubbier after spending a night in a holding cell. Lara fidgeted with her pen and notebook, waiting for Rob to arrive and to begin the interrogation. Right before they headed into the room, he'd received a call about the location of Linda's moving truck. The timing of events at Beautific creation stumped her. Laura had tried to piece together everything she knew about Ashton, but couldn't figure out how he'd ended up at Beautific Creations at the same time as them. Ashton looked up at her, his face twisted with worry. Laura, are we off the record? He stared anxiously at the camera. She nodded and gave him a warm smile. If I were you, I wouldn't bother Anita again. Why? Laura asked, her eyes widening. Fiddler was furious when he learned you visited her practice. He literally hit the ceiling. I don't think it would be a good idea to test his patience. He's somewhat unstable. Thanks. That's good to know. Um, Ashton. Yes, he looked at her expectantly. What happened to Sully's case files? When I searched his safe room, it was cleaned out. He moved them somewhere, probably because of me. Ashton looked away. Sully knew I'd gained access to the safe room. Perhaps he was worried about me snooping around. Do you have any idea where he might have hidden them? Lara asked. The likelihood Ashton would know was slim to none. Sully would have made sure his assistant hadn't a clue, but she still had to ask. Ashton shook his head. Why were you trying to help me? Lara asked. He looked at her wide-eyed and said nothing. You left me clues. Why? He remained silent. The bible verse at the basilica the article about the car accident on the computer at the violin shop and the directions to Beautific Creations. Do you know something about Fiddler's plans? Are you trying to tell me something? Before Ashton could answer, the do- door flung open and Rob barged into the room. Ashton's face turned pale and terror flashed through his light blue eyes. Rob took a seat across from Ashton and scowled at him. Lara wanted to kick Rob for being such an oaf. Who knows what kind of information I could have gotten from Ashton. You understand you're entitled to have a lawyer present, Rob pushed a written statement and a pen across the table toward Ashton, who nodded grimly, and you understand you're forgoing the right to cooperate fully with the FBI, Ashton nodded. You also realize we're not offering you any deal in the event that you're formally charged with a crime. If you cooperate with us, however, we'll put in a good word for you with the district attorney. Ashton readjusted his thick grim glasses and then hesitated for a moment. He read and reread the statement, but the pen remained on the table, and his free hand didn't move. Rob glared down at him. Sign this statement indicating you understand that your rights have been read to you, he demanded. If you refuse, we'll put you back in the holding cell and work up some charges for aiding and embedding a criminal. Sighing heavily, Ashton scribbled his signature on the line and dropped the pen on the table. Returning Rob's glare, it rolled to the edge of the table and fell to the floor. Do you understand this session will be recorded and can be used against you in a court of law rob asked yes i do ashton said great let's get started tell me how you know linda maxwell apparently surprised by the direct question ashton's eyes narrowed i don't know anything about her rob folded his arms across his chest then why were you at beautific creations yesterday uh i was following fiddler's orders to track lara's movements Lara shifted and her eyes shot from Rob to Ashton. What the hell? Ashton was at the warehouse before their arrival. He must have been up to something else, possibly for Fiddler, but Ashton didn't want them to know about it. Maybe he was tracking Cybershop? It doesn't make sense for him to have only been tracking me. So, you were trespassing, Rob said. Ashton gave Lara an uncertain look. She nodded slowly as if to encourage him. I guess so. "'How did you know Lara would be at the warehouse?' Rob asked. "'I figured you'd show up when I left the directions to be different creations for you to find at the violin shop,' Ashton gave Lara a half-smile. "'So, was he helping me by giving me directions, or leading me into a trap?' "'Who drove off in the BMW?' Rob asked. Ashton shrugged his shoulders. "'I don't know. You had me in handcuffs at the time.' Lara still couldn't believe someone escaped without Vic noticing. "'If Linda was in the moving truck,' Who drove the BMW? Vic claimed he'd been sitting in the lobby glued to his glasses and didn't realize what was happening until he heard squealing tires outside. He apologized profusely for responding too late and failing to get a good glimpse of the driver. So you're telling me you showed up at Beautific Creations, snooped around, and didn't see anyone else there besides Linda? Ashton bobbed his head. How did you get to Beautific Creations? Lar asked, catching a look of disapproval from Rob. "'I took a go-go cab,' Ashton said, looking down at his cuffed wrist. "'But how are you planning to leave?' Lara asked, her eyebrow raised. Ashton scratched his temple with his free hand. "'Um, I guess I didn't think that far ahead.' His explanation made no sense. It was foolhardy to rely upon cabs that far outside the city in a potentially dangerous situation. "'Who is Ashton protecting? Was Fiddler there too? Did they track Cybershop to the warehouse together?' I thought you might be interested to know that we found Linda's moving truck abandoned in a church parking lot in Alexandria, Rob said, retaking control of the interrogation. There's an FBI evidence team out at the warehouse right now combing the facility for evidence. Things will go much better for you if you confess everything now. Ashton stared blankly at Rob and remained silent, not moving a muscle. Did you steal the botulinum toxin? Rob asked. Ashton shook his head vigorously. No, I didn't know anything about that until I overheard your conversation in the warehouse. Is that what killed Sully? His eyes grew large with desperation. I can't comment on an ongoing investigation, Rob said dismissively. Ashton slumped in his chair. Laura could tell something weighed heavily on him. He about how Sully died. How did you come to be Mr. Sullivan's assistant? Rob asked. Ashton rubbed his neck with his free hand. "'Sully put out an advertisement to local universities, including mine. "'He wanted to hire a grad student for part-time investigative work. "'I saw the notice on the American University Career Board, "'so I applied and got the job.' "'What are you studying in school?' Rob asked, scribbling in his notebook. "'Electronics engineering with a specialty in microelectronics.' "'Lara perked up. Now we're getting somewhere.' "'Why were you interested in doing investigative work?' Rob asked. "'Lara leaned against the cement wall.' Why do you keep dropping the interesting issues, Rob? He must know something about the Beatles. Ashton shrugged. The money was good. Much better than I could earn working for an engineering professor. And I'm trying to avoid massive student loan debt after I graduate. Relaxing a bit, Lar realized. Rob avoided going deeper at first to build momentum and make the kid feel comfortable. Answering a few harmless questions usually got suspects primed for the really important ones. Classic interrogations move. Shock and awe, followed by easy questions. Ashton didn't know it, but they had already extracted a motive. The kid desperately needed money. Yeah, but so do I. That's circumstantial at best, unless we find out more. When did you begin working for Fiddler? Rob asked, changing the subject. Another interrogation tactic. Several months ago, Ashton wiped beads of sweat from his forehead. I figured out Sully was bringing in huge amounts of money from a client with the pseudonym KillerBot. Sully wouldn't let me get involved in the case, so I broke into his safe room, searched through his files, and figured out a way to get in touch with Fiddler, aka KillerBot. Then I offered him my services directly. "'I'm curious. How did you break into Sully's safe room?' Lara interjected. Out of the corner of her eye, she caught an irritated look from Rob. Ashton glanced up at Lara while he scratched the back of his head and swallowed loudly. Lara gave him another encouraging smile. "'It's okay.' From Sully's journals, we know you were there, even after he fired you. You might as well tell us what you were doing. I dusted the code panel for fingerprints and left a recorder in the room to catch the tones of the buttons. The fingerprints narrowed the combination of possibilities, and the tones gave me the order of the numbers. Quite simple, actually. Lara was impressed. And how did Fiddler respond to your offer to work for him? Rob asked. Well, at first he was skeptical and asked me what I could do for him that Sully wasn't already working on. I told him about my specialized expertise in microelectronics. That seemed to catch his attention right away. How so? Rob asked. He asked me if I could develop a microelectronics package small enough to fit on the back of a beetle. He was trying to develop a delivery system. He didn't say what for. Before I came along, he'd initially been looking for drones to meet his needs, but he said he preferred something smaller, more agile, and less detectable. "'Why do you think Fiddler pushed forward with the drone show "'if he'd moved on with something else?' "'Lara asked, catching some shade from Rob. "'Fiddler wanted to lure Cybershop out of hiding,' Ashton said. "'The old man hoped Cybershop would make a mistake, "'leaving us a trail of breadcrumbs or something "'that would help him determine his or her identity. "'Why?' Rob asked. "'Fiddler has a personal beef with Cybershop,' Ashton said, "'his eyes starting briefly to Lara.' He'd told her about Cybershop killing Fiddler's family at the Basilica. He'd also told her he'd met Cybershop while impersonating Fiddler. Had Ashton met Cybershop? Did you get any leads on Cybershop? Lara asked. Ashton shook his head. Did Fiddler know about her sting operation? Rob asked. Ashton laughed. Yeah, he was on to Drone Man for a long time. You guys aren't as sneaky as you think. Rob readjusted just slightly, and Lara smirked. Yeah, Drone Man. Not as smooth as you want everyone to believe, are you? Why were you at Sully's townhouse the night of his murder? Rob asked, apparently trying to catch Ashton off guard. Ashton stared at Rob uneasily, visibly unsettled by the dramatic shift in conversation. I wasn't there that night, he stuttered, avoiding direct eye contact. We have DNA evidence to prove you were, said Rob, staring intensely at him across the table. We know you had access to the safe room. You just admitted it. What evidence? Ashton asked. You left saliva on the coffee cup and an unfinished sandwich, Rob said. I thought you said you were willing to cooperate. Lara knew Rob was bluffing about the DNA evidence in his in hand and was counting on the fact that these items did indeed come from Ashton. They'd not yet had a chance to collect a DNA sample from Ashton to make the final comparison. Okay, okay, I was there, Rob. Ashton rubbed his forehead nervously. And what were you doing there, Rob asked. Communicating with Fiddler? About? Ashton shrugged. I don't remember. It wasn't that important. How much did Fiddler pay you to work for him? Rob asked. About $200,000 in total. Enough money to pay for his entire graduate education. She couldn't really blame him for being tempted. How did he pay you? Rob asked. Bitcoin. Did you ever meet Fiddler in person? Rob asked. Ashton shook his head, pushed his glasses up, and looked away. Lara knew he must be lying. How else could they work together? Do you know where Fiddler's laboratory might be located? No, he never gave any hints about his home base, Ashton said, shaking his head again. I communicated with Fiddler from Sully's safe room a few times and later from the violin shop. Okay, back to the topic of microelectronics. How did you respond to Fiddler's question about their potential? Rob asked. I told him engineers had succeeded in using electronics to control the flight of beetles years ago and claimed I could do it, too. Ashton fidgeted with his shirt. And were you able to pull it off? Rob asked. Yeah, it was no problem. I developed a microsystem capable of directing the flight of the beetle. Lara leaned forward, interrupting Rob's interrogation again. I found your bionic bug. At first, I thought it was pretty impressive. But then I discovered the upgraded version Fiddler made. Now that was a masterpiece. The backpack looked smaller and the flight control system seemed more advanced. Ashton's eyes narrowed. That was mine, too. I made it, not Fiddler. Lara shook her head in disbelief. No, you're good, but not that good. Oh, yes, I am. I figured out a much better way to control the beetle's flight, leveraging Fiddler's expertise with gene editing tools. Fiddler genetically modified the nervous system of the beetles to make them capable of responding to pulses of light delivered through optrodes. Rather than control the beetle's flight through electrical stimulation of the muscles, the light pulses activate steering neutrons in the beetle's brain. This is a much more direct pathway to to flight control and taps into the insect's natural abilities. Well, what about the smaller backpack? Ashton nodded eagerly. By removing the batteries and adding a tiny solar panel to harvest energy from the sun instead, we reduced the overall weight and were able to integrate a navigation system into the backpack. The system enables autonomous navigation without wireless control. All of this means the beetles have capacity for heavier payloads, longer ranges, and extended use. Lara scoffed and waved him off dismissively. Sounds like a bunch of fancy talk to me. Your beetle doesn't work very well. When I downloaded the video from your beetle, the footage turned out to be too grainy to identify anyone. Ashen shot her a defiant look. That's not possible. I designed my prototype system to capture and transmit high definition video wirelessly. If the footage was grainy, someone doctored the video after the fact. Did you do it? Lara pressed. Ashen jerked his head back and let out a bark of laughter. Why would I do that? Rob let out a frustrated sigh. This is interesting, but I'd prefer back to get to the case if you don't mind, Lara. Lara frowned. Okay, sorry. She didn't understand Rob's haste. Though technical, she was convinced the information Ashton provided would be essential to discovering Fiddler's plans. Do you know what Fiddler was planning to do with the Beatles? Rob asked. I'm not sure. Ashton sh- shifted around in a seat and avoided direct eye contact. Do you know if the Beatles were infected with the plague? Rob asked. Ashton shook his head. Lara didn't believe him. Not with the clue he left in the Bible at the confessional. She decided to drop it. Maybe she could use it to elicit his trust later. Did Fiddler ask you to do other things for him besides develop the electronics package? Rob asked. Odds and ends. He often asked me to communicate with Sully and sometimes with Cybershop under his pseudonym. He asked me to keep an eye on you, Lara, and deliver notes by beetle Courier. Lara's cheeks flushed red as anger flashed inside her chest. She shoved her hands in her pockets and paced the room behind Rob. Ashton looked directly at her. For example, he asked me to meet you at the Basilica to impersonate him and- Do you know anything about Cybershop? Lara interrupted, brashly redirecting the conversation away from her. She didn't want Rob to learn about Fiddler's offer. Fiddler was convinced Cybershop worked for the NSA and peddled top-secret encryption and drone technology developed by DARPA to the highest bidder over the dark web, Cybershop sold some sort of remote control to Sully. So, I was right. Sully tried to take control of the drones. How did Sully get the device from Cybershop? Lara asked. Cybershop mailed the package to his townhouse, Ashton said. I was there when Sully got it and opened the box, much smaller than I thought it would be. Lara made a mental note to return to Sully's townhouse and look for the box she'd seen on the video footage. Maybe it had a return address or some other clue to Cybershop's whereabouts and identity. Did you know Sully was ill? Rob asked, probably trying to startle him. Ashton averted his gaze. No, no, I didn't have any idea. Did you have anything to do with Sully's death? Rob's jaw tightened. Um, I think I want a lawyer. A look of fear crossed Ashton's face. Just answer the question. Rob raised his voice. No, I had nothing to do with Sully's death. I'm not saying anything else without a lawyer. You let the right to a lawyer go when you signed those papers, Rob shouted. Ashton glared at Rob defiantly, pressing his lips together and shook his head. Rob pounded his fist on the table, got up out of his chair and stomped out of the room, slamming the door. When he left, she breathed a sigh of relief. Maybe she could get something more from Ashton. For a few minutes, Ashton sat in awkward silence while Lara made notes in her notebook. Lara, I swear I didn't doctor that video. You have to believe me. She gave him a half smile. I think if you'd done it, there wouldn't be any footage of you in the safe room on the day of Sully's murder. Ashton looked stunned. The beetle made it into Sully's safe room, but I released... He shut his mouth and stared at the floor. It's okay, Lara said in a soothing voice. I'm not going to tell Rob you released the beetle or that you know about it carrying the plague. Ashton relaxed slightly. You're covering for someone at the warehouse, aren't you? You weren't there by yourself, Lara thought of the idling silver Honda parked across the street. She had a theory. Ashton shifted around in his, his seat. Fiddler was there with you, wasn't he? Lara asked. His eyes flicked upward at her for a mere second, but then he turned them back to the floor, staring intently at nothing. I saw the silver Honda parked there. You were both tracking Cybershop, weren't you? You said you'd met her before, when we were talking at the church. Were you speaking for Fiddler for yourself? Ashton gave a slight nod, but still avoided her gaze. Yes, to which question? Is Linda Maxwell's cybershop? Lara asked. Is that why you were both at the warehouse? Before she got an answer, the door opened a crack. Rob poked his head in and motioned to her with a stern look on his face to come with him. Ashton clammed up immediately and pressed his lips firmly together again. Reluctantly, Lara followed Rob out of the room, closing the door softly behind her. Walking briskly down the hallway, Rob turned to her and said, We have video footage from the warehouse and the techs think they've found an important lead. Well, I sure hope so, because she had the feeling Ashton was about to tell her something big, and she wasn't sure she'd be able to get him to the point of spilling the truth a second time. for listening to the bionic bug podcast if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on itunes you can also support my time in producing the show with patreon at www.patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n forward slash natashabajma see you next week